guys doing good? Good. It's good to be in the presence of God with you guys, getting to hear from the Lord today, getting to worship the Lord today with you. It's good to be in God's presence, that's for sure. If you would open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah 9. Uh, it's the first week of Advent, yay, just me, okay, first week of Advent, yay, all right. And so what we're doing today, this week, is we are looking at a great promise of God uh, to his people. Now I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to pray. Sound good? Okay, all right. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephetali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they, they are as glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his oppressor and the rod of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tolment and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, we come to you today thanking you for who you are. And, and we know who you are only because you've told us, only because you've shown us. You're the God who makes outrageously huge promises for our good. And you're the God who gives hope to the hopeless. So God, I pray that as uh, we look at this passage and as I speak, you give me uh, the ability and boldness and clarity to speak what you would want 
us to hear that would be helpful and good and challenge us today as well as encourage us today to hope in you and help us see Jesus in this passage because as he says, all things concern him. And we love you very much, Jesus. Amen. So on December 17th, 1927, the S-4 submarine accidentally rammed a Coast Guard destroyer off the coast of Massachusetts, and it quickly sank to the bottom of the cold waters. The entire crew was trapped inside as dark chambers filled with salt water and toxic air. The rescue op- an o- a rescue operation began to get fresh air to those trapped men below. The diver placed his helmeted ear to the side of the vessel, and he listened, and he heard a, he heard a, he heard a tapping noise coming through the, the darkness. One of the officers was tapping out a question in the dots and the dashes of Morse code. The question came slowly, is there any hope? This seems to be the question of all humanity. Amen? Is there any hope? We live in dark times and we ourselves wonder if there is any hope. We see the violent attacks on Paris. We see the racial tensions in Ferguson, Missouri and Chicago, Illinois. And we wonder, is there any hope? For all of our technological advances and our educational advances and our medical advances, many of us are asking this question, maybe in this room today, is there any hope? As we come to the scriptures this morning, we just heard Isaiah's message to us. We who live in dark times And he lived in dark times just like ours. Some will actually argue he lived in darker times. Isaiah tells us something important this morning, that we can have hope because God has promised it to us. We can't have hope because God has promised it to us. We are going to look today at the promise, what this promise is that God has made to us, and then move on to see how does God intend to make good on this promise, because this is a big promise. So first, what is this promise of hope? There's a couple parts to it. God promises to bring a great light into our deep darkness. He promises to bring great light into our deep darkness. Darkness. Look at verse 2 in Isaiah. We see it here. God through the prophet says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt, that means to sit in darkness. They live in this darkness. Those that dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. This message, this, this prophetic oracle was for people that have seen nothing but bad news all around them. The people of God have seen things go from bad to worse, in other words. They've rejected God, and they've trusted in other nations for their security, and other resources for their security. They've rejected God, and they've trusted in their own wisdom. They have ignored God's repeated warnings, and they've stopped loving Him. 
And they're about to experience the consequences of all of that. Their enemy, in this particular case, is the Assyrian army. Their enemy, the Assyrians, are going to destroy almost every man, woman, and child. And they're going to take the remaining few that are alive into captivity. And they're going to live out the remainder of their days as slaves. The Assyrians were famous for their brutality tactics in war and their inhumane oppression of the nations that they conquered. They would telegraph that they were coming to intimidate, and they had everything to back up those intimidations. People often gave up. These guys were pretty brutal. And the prophet Isaiah, looking ahead, speaks about the future to God's people as if it's already here. Okay? He says, they're in deep darkness. They're in deep darkness. To God's people, it looks like evil is winning everywhere that they look. It looks like their enemies are unstoppable. And to make things just a little bit more bleak, by all accounts, it looks like God's just abandoned them. Like he just doesn't even care. He doesn't care what happens. Day in and day out, there are more deaths and murders in the streets. I want you to picture this as a visual. More of that. And more of that. Not less of it. There are more perversions of justice done by those that are in power, that are in the justice system. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Picture this. More of that, not less. There is more corruption instead of integrity. Day in and day out. Each day blending into the next day. Into, you can't even separate what happened on Tuesday from what happened on Saturday. It's just a day. It all looks the same. And no matter who's in leadership, no matter what the community bands together to try to do, the situation never improves. Whatever gains that are made are easily erased like that. It's two steps forwards and three steps back every single day. That is what it means to sit in a land of deep darkness. You understand what I'm saying? It's hopeless. It's suffocating. Feel like you can't breathe, right? Yet into this land of darkness, God promises to shine a great light. Notice it says, the people won't manufacture this light. The people won't produce this light. It shines on them, comes to them. The light will shine on them and it will be a great, huge, eye-squinting kind of light. This is not a firelight or a torchlight. This is not a flashlight. This is daylight. This is daylight. God is promising that things are going to change. That's what he's saying here in this verse. And things will change because a new day has come into the world. A new day is dawning. And it will give real hope and joy. To people. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. We did. Um, our power went out. Some of you know about that. Um, it went out for a couple of nights. It was interesting. There was no light in the house. There was no light in the street. There were no. I mean, there's not even street lights. Everybody's had, and everyone's light was out in the block. Okay, so it was like this impenetrable darkness had descended upon the neighborhood. 
I mean, and it's really dark out here when it gets dark. And our little flashlights, they only did so much to help. The darkness basically immobilized us because we couldn't see anything, we couldn't fix anything, we couldn't make anything, we just, we just flat out couldn't do anything. So we're just there in the darkness. Everything we tried to do was slower, it was clumsy, and it took more energy. So we got tired, more tired. And you know what? After a while, after a couple of nights of that, all we could do was just sit under this thick blanket of darkness, just sit there. It was frustrating. We just went to bed early. Right? But you know what? When the sun came up, when it was a new day, when the sun came up, darkness was driven away. We could see everything clearly in the daylight. We could move about freely in the daylight. We could live life in the daylight. And you know what? Daylight, not flashlights brought hope to us that something would change. We could get on with living life now. That's the power of a new day. God's hope, Crossway, is not like the hope the world holds out and offers to us at Christmas time. It's just different. It's just different. The world offers us Christmas time sentimentality and Christmas spirit, what, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means anymore. And vague feelings of happiness. In short, the world wants to offer us a brand of hope, but can't tell us the reason we should be hopeful. Just be hopeful. Be happy. Why? I don't, just because. It's time. It's just time to, for you to be happy. The world offers us trees and tinsels and and feelings of saving money on purchases and grandkids in their pajamas and Christmas movies and peppermint mocha lattes. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, by the way. They're great. They're fun, right? But here's the deal. The only hope that is there is the hope that you'll be distracted from your darkness from a few days or a few weeks. Right? Because nothing's really changed. It's like playing with a flashlight in a dark house. You can have a flashlight in a dark house, that does not fool you that the house is still dark. It just doesn't fool you. You guys tracking with me? God has promised us something far, far better than flashlights. God has brought up the sun. God's brought up the Son family. This is the good news of God. And He's brought up the Son not just to flood our little house, the house of Lingle, with light, but our entire street, our entire neighborhood, our entire county with His light. Our hope comes from knowing that we are living in a new day. A day where things change because God promises to bring, dark, to bring light into dark places. We can have hope also because God promises us final freedom from our greatest enemies. Final freedom from our greatest enemies. Look at verses 4 and 5 in Isaiah. 
He says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tolment and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah is describing the oppression that people experience from their enemies. That's what he's describing. Yoke, staff, rod. These are all ways of describing about how one people group oppresses and keeps down another people group through either brute force or heavy taxation where they never can get ahead. It's systemic. It's entire systems that have been established to oppress people. God promises that he will smash every device and every system established to oppress people, and people will experience freedom. That's the word. He'll break, smash it. Doesn't get put back together. It's obliterated. God cares about the physical world that he has created, family. We need to know that. He said it is good. There is a social element to this good news that you and I believe. It is important. God will bring an end to the slave trafficking in the world, and he is going to hold responsible those that feed that depraved economy. Amen. God will bring an end to the extreme poverty and preventable illiteracy and the rampant hunger that so many people in our world face because they have corrupt leaders that oppress their own people instead of serving their own people. And God will hold those leaders responsible for their actions or lack of action. God will smash all oppression and release those that are in bondage. Praise God. Praise God. We have a God of justice and grace. But you know what? This promise isn't limited just to merely a social scope. It's even bigger than this, guys. What hope is there just in that? Of just that social scope? Isaiah is talking about ultimate freedom over our greatest enemy. Because it's the enemy of all people, which is sin. Sin. Just stop and think about that for a second. What really causes oppression? What really causes violence anyway? It's depravity in the human heart. Every single human heart. We deeply desire something and we cannot have it. So we take it by force. I like that. I'm going to get that. Or we have something that we should. And we're, I'm not going to give up on that because it, it benefits me. It doesn't matter if it doesn't benefit you. I'm not letting go of that. So I'm going to keep it and hold on to it and protect it and defend it. That's all really that sin really is it's deeply desiring something other than god that's sin deeply desiring something other than god we have broken tainted and dysfunctional relationships with one another and even people in our own community because we have broken tainted dysfunctional relationship with our creator that's why these relationships are broken because this relationship is broken. But what would happen? Just, just imagine with me. What would happen if sin was removed from the hearts of humans? 
Like, what would happen if sin was completely removed from your heart? And my heart. And your neighbor's heart. And our leader's heart. Just picture it. What would that look like? Amazing, right? It would look like peace on earth. That's what it would look like. No sin in the world. No sin in the hearts of men and women and children. God promises here to bring peace on earth. It's a massive promise. It's wonderful. God will bring deliverance from all oppression, rest from all warfare, and flourishing to all the world because he will destroy the very source of darkness. God will break the neck of sin, which rules over all of us. And it keeps us enslaved. And you know what, guys? Just being, being real, being honest. It's easy for us, isn't it, to look, at the, look out our window and say, you know what, the world's going to hell. Oh, well. You just kind of complain about it, right? That's easy. That's easy. That takes, like, no calories, right? Easy. But here's the question. Are you and I actively contributing to any of that? As Christians, we should ask that question. Are we, you and I, actively giving the world a different picture of how to live life from what they know or grew up with? Sure, you steal and you rob and you do... You don't know another way. Are we showing them another way? A different picture as the people of God, people of light? Or we just sit in our houses and we just kind of watch it all burn? It's a fair question. Let me ask the question a a little bit different angle on that same question, okay? What does God want to change in you, brothers and sisters? What does God want to change in you? Because I can control that a little bit, right? We who have believed in Christ and are filled with the Holy Spirit and have been freed from our sins should be a changed people, amen? And changed people should be the visible representation of what God is going to bring to the entire earth in miniature form. Here's what it's going to look like. This is how people will love one another. This is how people will live in peace. They're completely different and they live in peace. Here's what it looks like. Put different views about things and we're living in peace. Ephesians 3.10, this is, this is how Paul says it. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We are to be the preview of coming attractions to an unbelieving world, all right? We talked a little bit about this through the meals with Jesus. What are those miracles, those restorations, those healings? What were they? They weren't stunts. They were previews of coming attractions. Matthew 5, Jesus even talks about this. In Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the 
world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Guys, we, we are to be the salt that preserves our workplaces from rotting under cynicism or corruption. We are to be the light in our neighborhood that gives people a different visual of how to live life. Because it's going to look like this a little bit more with an upgrade, right? Forever and perfectly. The church is not to be a bunker to hide from the world. The church is to be a lighthouse for the city. That's our calling. But you know what? It starts with us. It starts with you and me believing God's good news to free us from our enemy of sin. And being honest about that and being real about that. So I ask you again, in light of God's great promise that God is going to bring to the world, what does God want to change in you? Just think about it. Is there a fear that you need to be freed from? Is there a sin that you need to stop nurturing? Is there a lie that you need to stop believing? Have you believed that for 20 years and you need to stop believing that lie? Is there an enemy that has hurt you that you need to forgive? In other words, what is keeping all of you from experiencing all of God? What is that? Because that's a better question. That's a better question we could ask. First Peter, he, so, he tells this. Peter says, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Crossway, here's what I want to say. The next four weeks, I want you to ask God that question. Lord, what do you want to change in me? What would you, what's one thing you would want, oh God, to change in me that would please you, right? Ask him to show you that thing he desires to transform in you so that you can experience the freedom that he's promised. In fact, you know what? Let's do this together. How about we do this together? Instead of kind of just doing it on our own. Let's make this our one request for the next four weeks. Sound good? Check in with each other. I put it out there. You can, you, you can now start talking with each other about it because I put it out there, all right? Ask one another, hey, what is this thing that God wants to change in your life? What's he showing? What's he want to change? What you want to transform? And you can be as detailed or as not detailed as you want, but ask. Check in with each other. How goes the walk? Right? Let's not just say we're family. Let's act like family. Let's encourage each other for our good, right? How about this? Let's pray for one another about this. Let's pray. Pray that God will change what he wants. Or maybe if you don't know yet, that God will give you more light. He's come to set you free. He's come to heal us. So let's pray. God has promised to set us free from the rule of sin. So let's step into that promise for our good and for God's glory in the world. Amen? So, now how does God intend to keep this great promise? That's a $65 million question, right? God promises us hope through his Messiah. God promises hope through his 
Messiah. I don't know about you, but I was reading over this great promise, and I felt a little cynicism creep in. I'm just being real. A little bit. What? What? This is a lot. Did that happen to anybody else when I read that? Or are you just so familiar, you just kind of went to screensaver as I was reading that? (laughs) Come on, guys. It's a promise that can feel a little too good to be true. Am I right? Am I telling the truth? Come on. It can be. God is going to bring a new day. A day where things that everybody says they cannot change, change. That'll never happen. It's happening. God is going to bring a new day where oppression is destroyed and peace on earth is the new normal. And people are going to be filled with joy because they are going to experience it themselves. What a great picture of the future. I like where we're going. I like the future. I like that picture. But you know what? Sometimes, if I'm being honest, it, seems a, it just seems so distant. You know what I'm saying? It just seems so far away. It really does. It seems so, such a massive promise. Like, it, like, this is like over the top, guys. You know what I'm saying? This is not like, you know, something manageable. God doesn't hedge anything in this promise. Did you notice that when I read this? This is pretty awesome. And I think, you know what, there's no way this could really happen. There's no way this could possibly become a reality in Kitsap County. Just trying to put that in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Put it in real tangible terms you guys can touch and feel. You can't bring that here, let alone across the whole world, you know? We kind of think about it like that. Bah humbug. That's kind of what we think inside, right? Bah humbug. That's nice. We'll read it every year, but get real, Lord. See, on the one hand, we want hope, and on the other hand, we don't want false hope. And I get that. And you know what? God gets that too. He understands that. How could this ever happen, we wonder? God anticipates our question, and he tells us how he will make this promise reality. Verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no... When do you ever see the, the government got bigger and peace got bigger? I just got to say that. <laughs> it's going to get bigger and peace is going to get bigger, God says. It's just, that's just amazing to me. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, when? From this time forth... And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the host will do this. God's simple promise is that he is going to send the rescuer. And this rescuer is going to come in a very ordinary way, being born. Like the same way that all y'all got here. That's how he's going to get here. Being born. Pretty ordinary, right? But he's not going to be ordinary at all. He's going to be a king like no other king, Isaiah says. This king will rule over the entire world. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. His kingdom will not be in competition with any other government or any other kingdom. 
because his kingdom increases until it covers the earth. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more peace. It's just going to grow. And he will also rule with justice and righteousness, the text says. This king will have absolute integrity and purity. You're going to want this king on the throne. You're going to be glad and happy and rejoice and have a party that this king is ruling and calling the shots. He will not be bribed. He will not be intimidated. He will not be lobbied to accomplish someone else's agenda. He will completely and fully do the will of God everywhere with no impurity and no imperfection. What kind of king could rule like this? I mean, history is full of kings and princes and presidents and prime ministers. They've all failed to rule with complete justice and complete righteousness. They all have their good spots, right? And their bad spots. Who could do this? Who could pull this off? How can we be sure that this king will keep God's promise and won't change his mind once he gets in power? He won't flip-flop. Isaiah says, because this king is more than just a man. He is also God. He's God. He is the God-man. Isaiah says, this child, that's a human, this child will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Nobody's father is everlasting. That's a human father, right? But this says Everlasting Father. This king will be God, Isaiah says. Isaiah also says that when he begins his rule, he will never stop. That means he'll never die. Humans die. Only God doesn't die. This Messiah will be God. He'll be the God man. I told you earlier that as I reread this promise over and over to write the message, I kept thinking, how could this really happen? You know, you get those moments. I kept thinking, you know, the promise that God is making to his people is so sweeping in scope and just totally epic in its totality. You know, it's so good, it's so joyful, it's so worldwide, and it's so totally transformative of a promise that I was thinking, you know, only God himself even has a shot at keeping this promise and making it come true. And it was like God spoke to my heart at that moment, you know? And he said, that's the whole point, Chad. That is the whole point. I made this promise that massive so that you could have a sure hope. Me. (laughs) It was hidden in plain sight right there on the page. God will do this himself, family. He will not keep his promise through a prophet that speaks on his behalf. He'll not keep this promise through an angel, and he will not outsource it to somebody else. God will keep his promise himself. The text says the zeal of the Lord will do this. And you know what? He has done this. He has done this in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the king, born of a woman, in the land of darkness to bring the kingdom of light. Matthew 4 says it this way. And leaving Nazareth, he went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Those words sound familiar? 
so that what was spoken by the prophet of Isaiah, uh-oh, there it is, so that what was spoke, what we were just reading would be what? Fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephitali, the way of the sea, that's where Jesus is, where this is written, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The birth of Jesus is not only our reason for hope, it is also our assurance of that hope. Jesus has begun his reign on earth, and one day he will bring it fully. And we say, hurry, Lord Jesus. So you know what? We rejoice. This is the hope of Advent. This is the real hope of Christmas. We get to experience this now. We get to taste this now, Jesus tells us. And we get to proclaim this promise, this happy, good news hope, now to our neighbors and our family. It's a simple promise, but it's a profound gift. Amen? I love you guys. Let me pray, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done in Christ. What Isaiah was looking forward to, we get to look back on for the next four weeks. And we get to long for as we look forward as well. We thank you that your kingdom has come. We thank you that you are breaking the yokes of oppression on people. Praise God. You are freeing us from sin and selfishness. Thank you that you are changing us into your image and likeness and that we can become new creations in Christ. God, we thank you for real hope because you have promised it and you said you will do it. You will do it. And God, I just pray right now that you would bless um, the people hearing this, people in this room that need hope that you would give it to them today, that you would, frankly, help them believe. Help them believe. Minister to any cynicism, any doubt, and grant faith. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us, you would use Crossway to be that visible representation so people could have faith, could have hope. They see you working in us. You see, they see you changing us. What do you want to change in me, Lord? And I know you'll show me that. I know you'll show each of us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' good name. Amen. Um, after the service is over, we'll be up here to pray. We have elders here. If the elders can raise their hand. We have elders here that will be in the back. They'll love to pray for you. Pastor John and I will be here for about 10 minutes. Come and respond to whatever God's wanting to do in your life. Yeah, God gives grace to anyone. But you know what he says? He gives grace to the humble. Will you come and ask for prayer? In a sense, that's humbleness, right? I need help. I need to change. So we make opportunity every time we meet. No one can say no one prayed for me. Okay? But you, you need to come. Okay? God gives grace to the humble. Okay? Love you guys.